1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, broadcasting live from, uh-oh, in this Korthy okay. in, in this, in this Castle? Yeah, we're in Ennis
0: Enniscoffee Castle in the en- southeast of Ireland.
1: Is the gold standard in Brook Ghost Hunting Mr. Stephen Parsons? Good afternoon, Ron. How are you? Uh okay, I guess. I mean you sound really good. I'm really excited. You're you're in like the coolest place I've 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 seen for castles, because you know what we have. We don't have too many around here. Uh well.
0: I've got to admit that both Wales and Ireland are not short of castles, but Enniscorthy is a very good example of a Norman castle. Uh, Just on the outskirts of the walled town of Enniscorthy, if my – I'm sitting right next to Jackie Haynes,
2: who's
0: who's the manager of the
1: castle. Hi, Jackie.
2: Hi, Ron. How are you keeping?
1: Good. Welcome to uh, Ghost Chronicles. And, uh, boy, what a great job you have hello,
0: hello. Stephen. It's,
1: okay. it's,
0: it's okay we're we'll here Skype just dropping a, a little bit
1: okay because I, I could hear you fine uh, so uh, anyways you, you have a great job there uh, how long have you been curator of the uh, castle
2: um, I'm here since October 2011 so I think that makes it three and a half years so I have the great joy of being the manager here the manager that saw Enniscorthy Castle reopened to the public after it was closed for renovations. And I also managed the National 1798 Rebellion Centre. So here in Enniscorthy, we're in a very historic, uh, battlefield-filled town. And Enniscorthy Castle reflects that. So it's seen over 800 years of uh, conflict and battle and families that lived through everything. So it is, it's a great job. I absolutely love it.
1: It sounds like a, a great job, and uh, I mean, do you? How do you end up with a job like that? I'm just, I'm just curious. Is is that something you apply for? Have you, uh, you know, do you have, love history? Uh, do you have a, a background in history?
2: Uh, I have a degree in archaeology and Irish folklore.
1: Oh, My love archaeology!
2: is on the folklore of the 1798 rebellion so I suppose in theory there's only one job in the world that I was qualified to do and they very kindly threw in an Escorti castle then as an added bonus so um, it's really three sites so it's Vinegar Hill Battlefield, um, its interpretive centre the 1798 centre and the castle then as well but all of them have um, a role to play in the 1798 rebellion but the castle here Um, Its background is with the arrival of the Anglo-Normans in 1169 to um, to South County Wexford. So we're in the southeast corner of Ireland, um, lovely and close to the sea. In Anniscorthy, we're in the middle of the county. But the Anglo-Normans arrived in the early 12th century. So the castle that we're in at the minute that I think you've seen a picture of is actually the medieval castle. So that's um, Sir uh, Henry Wallop's castle. The original Anglo-Norman castle is somewhere to our right and down in our dungeon, which we'll take you down into later, we think is actually the ditch of the Anglo-Norman castle. So um, we're about 120 feet, which is 40 meters above sea level, uh, above the river level. And then Escarthy town is built on the River Slaney and that's tidal up to this point, which was. Uh, quite an advantage for Henry Wallop because he managed to cut down all of the oak forests surrounding Enniscorthy and charge a 3% excise duty, which allowed him to build a very posh house in Abbey Square, which is below us to our right. And the castle here was actually his garrison. So he didn't live here, um, but it was the home for lots of grungy, sweaty medieval knights.
1: You know, what's interesting is a lot of people don't understand what castles really are. And, and they've served many purposes through the years. Uh, some of them, just by their presence, uh, were able to dominate certain areas while others were actually uh, fortresses in themselves uh, for for guarding particular areas. Uh, do you the interesting you mentioned that rebellions. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more? You know, because we're from the states, we're not really a lot of people line up on uh, Irish history and so forth.
0: No, but you're up on rebellious history, aren't you? The oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, yeah.
0: When, when actually the British gave America its independence.
1: Yeah, we know. That's yes, what you keep telling us.
0: Yeah, just you know. just just to clarify.
1: Just just like you gave Scotland News.
0: No, well, they haven't got it yet.
2: <laughs> Moving on. Partly, the Welsh rolled over and tickled their bellies.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's
2: true. At least we put up a fight here in Ireland. It might have go. taken us another 120 years, but we gave it a good go.
0: You see, that's why the British and the Irish get on so well together because we have this mutual respect, like we have with the Americans. Because we might have had our, there are almost like family differences in the past, mm-hmm. more like family squabbles, but. We we've I think the Irish and the British are a nation who are incredibly close, closely drawn to each other, rather like the British and the Americans. Mm
2: -hmm. I don't think we'd admit that or I don't think everybody would admit that publicly. But I think particularly in the southeast corner, uh, the Anglo-Normans would have originally before their invasion of Britain would have come from France. So Mm -hmm. um, that would have been the Normans bit, the Anglo being the British bit. So lots Mm -hmm. of us down here in the southeast have British ancestry, um, lots of English names that you'd find throughout England anyway. So I think that close alliance is there if we scratch the surface, Mm -hmm. particularly in the rebellion, in the 1798 rebellion. It's very interesting because in the center, we explain to people this this rebellion wasn't about religion. It's not about nationality, because when we talk about the British army, we effectively talk about the Irish because they are the they are those that take part in the in the in the British army. So we'll always talk about the crown forces. So the army of King George the third which were made up of Irish men, not so we we try to challenge people's perceptions of what the rebellion was. Um, And a very interesting story is the Battle of Aulert, which was the first battle in Wexford in the 1798 rebellion. It was an initial victory for the rebels or the Irish, if you want to call them that. They um, they won against the North Cork militia. So Cork is two counties down from us here uh, again on the south coast of Ireland. They actually surrendered and gave the surrender in Irish and the locals didn't understand them.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's funny. (laughs) I've always told I always told uh, um, Stephen that all all the Brits are really French anyways, because they all came from Brittany. So therefore they were all French anyways. Right. Right, Some of us are Viking. Uh huh. Uh huh. So you say. So anyways. <laughs> anyways. Uh, I, I think Ireland of of all the. Uh, you know, I gotta be careful how I say it. Of all the Commonwealth countries. That, no, they're not Commonwealth. What do you, what do you call? I forget. Uh, of the United oh. Kingdom, uh, I think Ireland has. I think the most association. Former empire. Yeah, 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 you know, with uh, with more folklore, more more of the uh, the paranormal realm, really, is what I'm trying to get at. You you know, you've got the fairies and all the the other uh, the banshees and all that stuff that seems to be more associated with Ireland, or or it seems to be associated uh, rather than. Ron, I'd
0: I'd say that's actually quite common between. There is a lot of common paranormal folklore between west Wales, the west coast of great britain wales uh, western western West england and the irish east coast mm-hmm. uh, and indeed you know parts of scotland also we have a lot of we have shared names for some of the paranormal entities like for example in wales an entity of uh, the, the the poltergeist would be described as a puka and i think that's a word that's recognized in ireland as well for the same thing yes huh. um uh, we do have fairies. We, 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 we even have Welsh versions of the Banshee. Um, really? And, and other death portents. There's a huge similarity between the folklore of the the west of the UK and the east of Ireland in particular. I don't know so much about the Irish west coast, though.
2: But even within Ireland, if you consider the Banshee, like I suppose the Banshee is probably its posh term, whereas down here she'd be called the bow. The bow, the bow <laughs> uh, whereas in the west she'd be called the bive, the b-a-d-h-b, the bive. Um, uh-huh. So different different terms are used to describe the same entity. Um, the banshee would, like I said, would probably be what she'd academically be called.
0: What what I mean? Are there any similarities that you're aware of between the, the paranormal folklore of the of the Irish east and the Irish west coasts? Because there are in, in, in the UK, there are different, they have a lot more, for example, mm-hmm. like the black dog is, an, is predominantly an East Coast feature in the UK. But you'd have
2: the black dog here as mm-hmm. well um, as a death omen or a representation of the devil. Um, what about the black um, shark? Black... Yeah, black shark.
0: Yeah. I mean, he is known throughout the UK and Wales, but he's predominantly an Eastern feature.
2: And actually, funnily enough, Darby O'Gill and the Little People <laughs> popped oh, into my head. The death oh my coat. goodness! But sorry to mention it. But the death coach would actually be a tradition in Ireland that would have gone down particularly mass paths. So path path routes that people would have walked to, mm. through mass. Like the death coach comes down the mass path beside our house at home. Um, stories of really? underground. Yeah.
0: And that's the yeah. same in Wales, we have um, the, the phantom uh, funerals, the phantom funeral process- processions that, that follow these routes, these, these uh, funeral routes yeah. in West Wales.
2: Yeah, uh, Willy the Wisp or Willow the Wisp, those little, yeah. uh, little lights right. in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Wales we have, of course, the
0: Canolidraith, which is the corpse candle,
2: Right.
0: which is exactly the yeah. same phenomenon. There is portents of
1: death.
2: Fabulous traditions. In Ireland, across Ireland, of the stories of the fairies, um, the she, s I, I father, so an eye with a little as- ascent above it that, that lengthens the eye, uh, the she oiga, the fairies, um, where the four, where generally where counties tend to meet each other, there's always a portal to the underworld through a white thorn bush hawthorn bush and there's a very curious story um one of the the guys that i went to college with was on was working as an archaeologist on the limerick bypass and there was a gentleman in ireland who's renowned for his belief in the fairies and threatened him that 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 white thorn bush in the middle of the bypass was the entry for the Connaught fairies into the underworld and they oh, touch it at their peril and he had actually frightened the life out of the archaeologist, because there was three accidents on the site. <laughs> <laughs> and they, were they were convinced he was right. Um, uh, I, I've done um, folklore collection projects in County Wexford and interviewed many, many people that would tell you stories about particularly around ring forts. Mm-hmm. how if you, because mm-hmm. that's where the fairies entered the, um, the, the entry into the underworld was in a ring fort, so a ring fort would be an Anglo-Norman settlement site. So it would literally be up to an acre or two of land enclosed in a round bank and a ditch or or a double bank or ditch. So you wouldn't go near them. You wouldn't plough them. Um, if you went into them at night time, there stories of the lore, of the music of the fairies bringing you into the ring fort. And then you'd never get out of it until the morning. And then when daylight came, you'd be able to get back out again. I,
0: I'm listening here to, to tales from, from West Wales. Yeah. We have exactly the same yeah. tales in West Wales. Um, yeah, but you know, it, 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 I was it's, going to
2: say, terrible fear of it. But it served a purpose because with my archaeologist hat back on, nobody touched the ring forts so you had a preservation of archaeological monuments in the landscape through oh, wow. a fear of the fairies
1: i mean Which... that's that's absolutely awesome and and as you said as an archaeologist if if that tale wasn't there if the fear of it wasn't there that would be lost totally
2: yeah absolutely they'd have been gone Long and ever able. do you have fairy islands on the
1: off the Irish coast? We have them off
0: the Welsh and british coast we have the the fairies are said to inhabit islands that can't be seen unless you stand on a particular spot on the mainland and then the islands will appear and disappear if you move off the spot, and the fairies come in and go to market. And they always pay very good prices in West Wales, and they're always respected when they come to market.
2: Not that I can think of off the top of my head, but that's not to say there isn't. There's a great story about children, uh, you know, in the 1940s, 50s, 60s, children that might have had any sort of deformity were said to be changelings. Mm -hmm. Where they had been taken, where the, the, the baby was taken by the fairies and replaced by a change. Exactly and the an, same. and parents would often put red piece of a piece of red material pinned to the child in the cot because the fairies apparently mm-hmm. had no blood. So the red was a scare to them and they would they'd leave the child alone. In-
0: incredible similarities <laughs> here. Wow. Bro. Jackie's telling you stories about the Irish fairies, and every single one of them I can That's I can give you a, a Welsh carbon copy yeah. of. And um, we haven't uh, had
2: this discussion in advance because we. No we, ha-
0: done. <laughs> no, we haven't. Um, yeah. And we are, we are, as I said before, we're currently speaking from. Um, well, we're not in Ireland's most haunted building, are we? Because as I've been driving around the southeast of Ireland, I keep seeing signs, large plaques on the side of the road for a building, uh, promoting itself as Ireland's most haunted house. Really. Called Loftus Hall, which is probably about 50 kilometres from us here now, mm. uh, give or take. It's about right, isn't it? Uh, I, my
2: 30. brain works in, dis- in time. So oh, it's about. About an hour. 40 minutes, yeah. 45 minutes away from us here. You drive faster than I do. <laughs> it, they
0: promote themselves very heavily as Ireland's most haunted house. However, um, as you know, I was over here in this very castle a week ago. Uh, with Michael Benson from uh, uh, Wexford Paranormal to launch his book, Haunted Wexford. And Michael, he he very much centres uh, a lot of the group's activities on Ennis Coffey Castle and has put in a great deal of work in studying some of the haunted tales that are, uh, that are associated with the castle that we're in tonight and, and the surrounding area. Um, and directly, almost as we look out of the window behind us, a little artistic license, possibly.
2: Notice, if you stand up, you'll see oh, it.
0: If, if I stand up, yeah, <laughs> directly behind me is, is Vinegar Hill. Uh, now, the name's unusual, isn't it? Isn't that because, somebody told me, it's because we can't say the Irish name, so it's become Vinegar Hill?
2: Uh, it might be the case, in Irish, it's okay. Cnoc Fiach Naguer.
1: So, C-N-O-C,
2: <laughs> Cnoc, the hill. Faech Naguer is the hill of either the wild berries or the hill of the sheep. So um, whether it's the case that when, when, um, when Ireland was, I don't know what the word is, it's not colonized. <laughs> when, when, uh, oh, oh, I can't think of the word. With the connected with the British. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> that, uh, well, my Irish teacher used to always explain to me that they were just unable to say it So <laughs> in Irish. <Yeah. laughs> so... The, I, I, I've never tried it, and I can never get it to happen. But the faster you say, Canuck Fiatnegoyer, you eventually get to Vinegar. So well, Vinegar I,
0: Hill. I, 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 yeah, it's my English brain can kind of get that. Right, but
2: okay.
0: i say we're, we're in Enniscorthy Castle, which overlooks um, Vinegar Hill. Uh, we're in on the June the 21st, which was basically last weekend.
2: Yes. Um, yeah.
0: It was 20,000 Irish rebels assembled at the top of the hill. And they were surrounded and did battle with 10,000 crown forces. Yes.
2: Um,
0: and it resulted in the death of around 1,500.
2: Yep, about th- 1,500 um, of the the rebels. So men, women, and children were on Vinegar Hill. The battle, the rebellion had been taking place in Ireland for the, the previous four weeks. So from the 23rd of May um, until the 21st of June. And this was effectively the last stand of the rebels against the crown forces. So the Crown Forces had effectively fired the kitchen sink at Vinegar Hill. There were eight generals on the hill that day in an attempt to try and surround the hill. Um, And we think at this point, our history records that about 1,500 died on the hill that day, which was effectively the rear guard, which had been defending the old granite bridge, which is just below us here um, from the castle, and those that were injured on the hill. Um, So every 21st of June, we commemorate that. And then every August Bank Holiday, we do our uh, festivities part, and we have a reenactment—a large, a large reenactment up on the hill, and we effectively blow it up.
1: So <laughs> <and> today... <laughs> that's funny. I'm sorry. It's okay. Today,
0: as we today, as Cat and I toured around, we we visited a site. Uh, I mean, literally. Many of the crossroads and small villages in this part of the southeast of Ireland have a memorial to the, uh, the 1798 Rebellion. Mm-hmm. But there's one particular graveyard that we've been drawn to for, for a number of years. And we, we spent met, uh, several hours there today uh, in the village of Killam. Um And there you have a, a mass grave of rebels who had obviously escaped from from, um, or had been killed during the rebellion in different battles And there's a memorial to um, a captain, John Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. um, who had been, as it says, mercilessly executed by the British forces uh, in the town of of, Yeah, they did a lot of that. Um, So it is... uh, There is a huge amount of history related to uh, that particular rebellion. But the hill itself, Vinegar Hill, just behind us, uh, has a number of ghost stories attached to it. Uh, Notably tourists, visitors who've been up on the hill, particularly around dawn uh, in midsummer, around the midsummer period, have heard the sound of voices and running people and skirmishing. Um, not, not to my knowledge the sounds of battle, are I stand to be corrected, but certainly movement, the running of people, the shouting of voices on a hill that's that's abandoned and you know, in the first light of, of, you know, of a summer's
1: dawn. That, that's they, very similar make... to what ha- what happens to uh, Gettysburg and the Gettysburg battlefield in uh, the United States they have the same type of phenomena
0: yeah they say to my knowledge no sounds of uh, sounds of battle, but the sounds of people hurrying and rushing around and either fleeing to the battle or fleeing from the battle because the battle took place
2: i mean it wasn 't a long battle. it would have started at four o'clock in the morning with um an artillery bombardment so cannon being used um, to fire large two pound six pound cannonballs up onto the hill to effectively clear the hill before mm-hmm. the cavalry are sent in and the infantry are sent in surrender is uh, called at eight o'clock in the morning and by nine o'clock the battle is over so oh, wow. it's, only, it's a very it's a very small tight time scale but you know, the, the, the 20,000 numbers really belie the fact that, that the vast majority up there have no military expertise, very little experience of battle before, and they're completely shell-shocked, as you can imagine, by what they experience up there. Um So you'd understand why it's more of a flea than than a battle, because it isn't really a battle they've made. The rebels have been camped on the hill for almost three weeks, but they've made no attempt for it to dig themselves in uh, to defend the site. They've oh, just geez. sat there waiting for mm. it to happen. There's
0: uh Jackie mentioned the 1798 Rebellion Visitor Centre, which I visited last time I was here. And mm-hmm. there's an interpretive three-dimensional representation like a movie, isn't there? That, yeah, that f- places you on the top of the hill and it, it puts you right in the middle of, of what are just and this might be a British perspective, but they were just peasants and farmers and low workers who had assembled on the top of Vinegar Hill and and woke up one morning to find the British army had rocked up at the bottom and started shooting at them. And it was it was it was a massacre.
2: I mean, they've gone to Vinegar Hill for the belief that the, the protection that they believe the hill will find them. But it's a bit like Annie Hill in that it's literally just sticking up on the landscape. Mm. You know, it's for it's what 420 feet, whatever that is, divided by three, 120 odd metres above sea level. There is not, it's it's a rocky outcrop. Um, it's a rat to, trap. To, it it is. It's it's the most ridiculous place to make a last stand. It makes no military strategic sense to be there at all. Which especially,
1: reflects- especially if they didn't fortify it, I, you know, I, I when you first Whoa, told me it, there was twenty thousand there versus ten thousand uh, yeah. yeah. royal troops, it didn't make sense. They, I mean, they were, they were, just, they assembled at
0: the top of the hill and and they they made camp and they just stayed there and they did absolutely yeah. nothing and then as, you know, woke up one morning to find yeah. the British had arrived at the bottom and had surrounded
2: them. Yeah. Those with military expertise, uh, like Anthony Perry or Miles Bird their records their their diaries record they're just sitting there going why are we not fortifying the site um but i suppose the united irishmen's philosophy philosophy of liberty equality fraternity like the french revolution leaves them um military militarily leaderless really it's a bit like um almost a commune up there in that shirt let's all just sit down and try and figure out now what do you think johnny and i'm sure
1: alcohol was involved
2: let's all come to something some sort of- lots of pot gene we, <laughs> we, have we actually have a
1: question uh from the uh pararex chat room and it takes us back to the the folklores that we were talking with so we're going to come off of the uh battle for a second and they they wanted to know if there are any giants uh, in myths in Ireland and well, so I know one story of giants, but uh, let's let's see what you have to say. Obvious. There is an obvious let's one,
2: rattle it? them off to you. So if we start at the top of the country, <laughs> <was just> saying, <laughs> and and work, work our way down at uh, the Giants Causeway. Uh, mm-hmm. Up in Antrim, the very north of the country, um, would be where Cú Chulainn would have had his home. He would have grown up there. So Cú Chulainn is renowned for his fantastic hurling skills. Um, and if folk tradition is to be believed, he's taken a large scalp out of uh, Antrim, pegged it across at the king in Scotland, and I think that's the Isle of Man. Uh, is it, or is it Stranraer? Stranraer, yes, Stranraer. So the, the, the giants that we have down here, then we would have um, actually one of the, you've just touched on him, John Kelly. Um, the the um, the song tradition in Ireland, we, we would have a lot of songs around 1798, but there's a famous song called Kelly the Boy from Killan. And as far as they're concerned, John Kelly from Killan was seven feet with, with his height with some inches to spare, and he looked like a king in command. So we have our own giants down here. Um, mm-hmm. A bit more modern, I suppose, would be giants of the hurling league. Uh, the you know the, our national sport of hurling. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd have one here, Nicky Rackard. He would be considered a giant. Hurling
0: to- for our American listeners is like a, brutal- throw on a tree. It's no, 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 no. no that, <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's all, Scottish. <laughs> that's Scottish. Hurling oh. is it's like ice hockey played with bigger sticks.
2: And
1: a leather
2: ball. And a leather ball, and people die. Okay, on that note, we have to
1: to take a break. (laughs) Anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles (laughs) International with uh, Stephen Parsons and Ron Kolick. And Stephen is broadcasting from Ireland with the lovely Jackie. And we'll be right back after the following messages right here on Tojanet Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Ghost Channel Beyond. favorite
2: <laughs> I am brave
1: beyond belief.
2: Nothing yeah, we'll see. Scares me.
1: Except so, anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles: Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then.
0: And I presume the beating of Roden's terrified—mind you, my terrified heart—because I'm in. I'm inside haunted. Ennis Castle brings us back into part two of Ghost Chronicles International, with your main host and anchorman for the night, Van Hel- New England's very own Van Helsing, and from the haunted historic Ennis Castle in Wexford, in the southeast corner of Ireland, you have what Ron called, well, what the New Wall Street Journal called the gold standard of ghost hunting, and I'm joined tonight by Jackie. Heinz who's the manager and curator of this historic castle um and we were talking i think about giants before the break uh, but ireland is is of course more renowned for little people and the most yeah, before we one... get into
1: little people oh here we what? go the, is this the interruption my interruption oh, two on, things man. i w- two go things on. i have to mention and and yeah. jackie brought up uh the little people, uh, Dobby McGill, and the little people, and my son saw that when he was a child, and that scared the ever-loving crap out of me. Was couldn't sleep for nights because of the banshee. Uh, also, I have in my library, and uh, this is the National you have History a now. The National History of Ireland, and it is ancient and modern, taken from the most authentic records, and dedicated to the Irish Brigade. By the Abe McGorkin. Never mind, forget it. Uh, so it, yeah, this is this published in 1877. So um, I, I love Ireland. That's all I can say. So carry on.
0: Well, well, hang on a minute. I, I mean, we've been to Boston, and I think that predominantly Irish anyway.
1: Well, sort of.
0: I mean, you know, most Some people of it in Boston are Irish or think that they're Irish or of Irish descent, because of course a lot of Irish people. Uh, went over to Ireland uh, following the potato famine. Uh, in fact, yesterday we were, we were uh, at the town of New Ross, which is a little way from where we are tonight, and there they have a, a replica of one of the... In fact, the replica itself is haunted. Uh, one of the ships what? that carried, carried the famine refugees across the Atlantic to to, to settle in Ireland. Um, and But the the, the the ship itself, the Dunbrody, um, is oh, I now that. claimed to be haunted. Um, really? Uh, um, so yeah, but Ireland. I was. I'm just going to return it back now to before the interruption. We were talking about giants before the break, but we can't be in Ireland and not talk about Ireland's almost national figure, um, which the leprechaun. Well, apart from <laughs> apart from Guinness, and uh, but it's the leprechaun. Hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, we which, wouldn't have we wouldn't have lucky stars without the leprechaun.
0: No, I think think Ireland's export to the world is Guinness and leprechauns uh, Mm -hmm. wherever you go. Particularly, actually, funny thing is at Boston uh, Boston Airport, we saw leprechauns on sale. Of course. So, uh, yeah, so that's Ireland's great export. I
2: have no comment. (laughs) 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 I've never seen one.
0: Well, everybody in Ireland had seen a leprechaun after a few Guinnesses.
2: Uh, Yeah, we do on St. Patrick's Day, (laughs) and they're generally on O'Connell Street, and they've got red wigs attached to them.
0: Well, you have big parades in America, don't you, on St. Patrick's Day?
1: We do. I mean, in all fairness to what you said, New England is uh, very uh, Irish in tradition, um, among other things. I mean, we we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but we celebrate any day to get drunk. I mean, that's... (laughs) The way we are. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, we have a, a lot of Irish uh, did settle in Boston. Of course, the Kennedys being the most famous family from Boston. Uh,
2: but from here, from actually, town in New Ross, um,
0: just down the road from here is is actually the Kennedy Homestead and the John F. Kennedy Memorial Arboretum. Uh, you can ah. actually visit the site uh, where. He would have been his great-great-great-grandfather yes. farmed in a, till 1849 when he moved over to America. Yeah. And indeed, uh, I think on the adjacent land, the, a member of the family still farms. Uh, yes. Oh, really? Pat- I think, yeah, there's still a Kennedy. One of the
2: and they come over. Last year was the 50th anniversary of his John F. Kennedy's arrival visit to New Ross about six months before he, he was killed. Um, so the Kennedys still continue to come over and back. Um, Senator Ted Kennedy, Kennedy would have been over. Jean uh, Kennedy Shriver. Smith, Jean mm-hmm. Kennedy Smith, um, is often back. And now um, the the um, the siblings come over as well. I think Patrick Kennedy uh, comes over as well. So uh, New Ross continues to maintain huge links with with the Kennedys. Um, on an annual basis, they have their Kennedy Summer School as well, which is a a three-day summer school with really prestigious international speakers at it, and the Kennedys are always at it. Um, So New Ross has very close links with with the Kennedys and and all to do with emigration, like you had mentioned, the Don Brody famineship. So they tend to focus on uh, the impact that emigration had on on New Ross and and on Ireland as a whole as well. They have an emigrant flame, there as well that's perpetually lit as well. Um, just to remember all the emigrants that left Ireland that and particularly went to America.
1: Oh that's very interesting. So you guys are in the castle and I'm yeah. sure the castle the castle is haunted, right? Uh, well I, Michael oh, well, well, wait 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 a minute well what well, kind of an answer was that? Well is well, it is haunted it, or is it, it, is it Mike, haunted? Mike,
0: Mike, yes it is haunted and there you by, go by, by definition people have reported seeing ghosts and having experiences inside the castle. That includes a full range of experiences, apparitional acoustic. Um, and so oh. by that simple definition, it's haunted. And of course so it, it's been, it's been extensively investigated also, um, haunted, uh, uh, Wexford paranormal being one of the key players in the investigations that go on at Ennis corthy castle. And we spoke to Michael about that a couple of weeks ago on the show. Um, But have you yourself had any experiences whilst you've been here, Jackie? Uh,
2: Nothing of an apparition front, thank God, I have to say. While I'm very open (laughs) to having Wexford Paranormal in and and other paranormal teams in here, I don't think I'd like to meet anything going up the stairs. Um, So uh, while I'm open to the idea, I don't think I want to see it in reality.
0: Now, you said to me before the show that you've you've joined in some of the experiments (laughs) that the, the groups have done, and you were particularly fond of one. Um, oh,
2: I we like the Frank's box, which you had a very derogatory comment about. <laughs>
1: Me derogatory?
2: <laughs> I, I, I did, He
1: says is derogatory. I, well,
2: no, I, I described the Frank's box as being
0: a bit like crack cocaine for for ghost hunters. It's it's that addictive. Oh. But you,
1: were, you
0: didn't speak very highly of table tipping, or or the. the I
2: don't have a huge is. amount of pass on it. Uh, I suppose we have in the castle here. We have two different types of of paranormal experience and I suppose first of all (laughs) to acknowledge Jim who is our resident ghost and he is an absolute gentleman from what we can see. We don't have fortunately or unfortunately any terribly benign um, entities that come here with us. We have wonderful um, spirits that shared the space with us. We've come to the realisation that we both occupy or we all occupy the same space. So we're quite happy with them here.
0: I recall you mentioning Jim when I was here last weekend because there were some noises whilst you and I were talking were you? You kept referring to, oh that'll be Jim or <laughs> Jim's come around to <laughs> the, see what we were doing. Uh,
2: Jim loves to perform or not to perform he loves a performance well he i was going to say jim if here. you are
0: um, here we're, we're now broadcasting live uh, halfway across the planet so jim if you if you here. are if you are here if you want to uh, make make your presence no we could a ghost hunt live on her uh, jim i'm going to knock twice on the table um, and see if you reply <coughs> I see, and then it's Ron knocking there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How you like that? Astro projection by Jim. <laughs>
0: That was, That was a different Jim uh, listeners, but no Jim hasn 't yet put in an appearance, but
2: I know Michael Benson tries, tries to explain to me how we can have experiences on two different floors, but two different continents is probably a different it, thing. that
0: would' be pushing it but jim Jim uh, may be around, he may be watching us, and if he if he is uh, listening to us, then he might want to join in the show and, and maybe say a few words. Yeah.
2: I suppose we have two lots of different types of sessions here. Wexford Paranormal do public paranormal sessions where members of the public come in of an evening. They generally start at 9 o'clock at night and go through till 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And part of that will be it's split into four different phases. So down in our dungeon is where they'll generally use the Frank's box. Up on the first floor is generally where they do the table tipping. Um, Up on the second floor or up in the turrets, uh, we have turrets up on our roof, so we're able to put members of the public into the turrets individually, and they're black-dark. So there's a little bit of testing whether <laughs> they hear things, whether um, we're, we, we being the paranormal team, are, are able to get them to perceive or think Just of...
0: scare the crap out of them.
2: Yeah, basically. That <laughs>
0: usually <laughs> there's, works.
2: There's a perverse evilness to us sometimes <laughs> on that. And then they do a little bit of scre- uh, scrining um are using the glass on the table um but i i, I like the frank's box cuz it's more tangible if tangible is the word to hear something not convinced about the you know use your energy to lift my hand or lift the table off the floor um i'm still i still think people are open to this
0: they there speaks somebody who's got sense <laughs> <laughs> but i mean you've had lots of different ghost hunters in the castle haven't you over the, over the over the recent years because do you find that, that they come up with different stories or is there a common
2: thread that we're- no they tend to come up with the same story of generally a banging a, la- a loud banging that you hear um We've had it. We've heard it here in the castle, like the staff in the castle are going, I don't want to know what the paranormal guys are doing because I've got to work here. So <laughs> while we all occupy the space, some want to know who's in their space rather more than others. Um, but I know we've been here at reception when there's been just the most monumental bang down on the we have three floors here in the castle and then the roof and in. Each floor are three separate rooms, so if you imagine we're at the front of the building now, and there's two more rooms behind us to our right um so a huge bang like somebody had pulled over a, a bookcase and it just hit the ground um and nobody in the building we've locked up we 're tilling up here at the at reception at the front, and just the biggest bang um that you could hear, and nobody be here um I suppose what made
1: You're fading. Hello? Uh Uh-oh. Well, uh, I'm not sure if we lost. Looks like we lost them. Steve, you still there? Steve?
0: Sorry. Apparently, Jim decided that we just (laughs) dropped the call,
1: but I think we're back now. Is that right? Uh, okay, okay. I, yeah, I hear you well now. So, yeah,
0: we we're... Earth, just, uh, Earth, to, Earth to Boston. Yeah, we're good, we're good. Yes. Cool, okay, sorry, sorry, Jack. Now,
2: where have we got to? That was uh, Jim's fault. All right, we were, up, we were up on the first floor, but out of the corner of my eye, I could see just a shadow going up the stairs and assuming it was one of the work guys, one of the builders that were here. So, put no pass on it, really, um, until we we figured out that it was none of them going up the stairs. So there just happened to be an ad in the paper, an article in the paper talking about Wexford Paranormal, and they were down in Duncannon Fort at the time. So I rang them up and said, look, sure, why don't you come in here? To be very crude about it was publicity for Mm -hmm. us. Um, Because anything from a tourism perspective, anything you can do to add to your product, you'll you'll (laughs) take it. Um, But it's worked out extremely successful for us, and, and we're delighted with it. And Michael and his guys are delighted with it. And like I said, it's... There's there's a wonderful atmosphere here in the castle. I found
0: Michael's team to be very level-headed. Um, they they of course do embrace the spiritual yeah. approach, the the use of table activity, um and 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 scrying, but they and, and and you know the the things that like the Frank's box. But they are level-headed in their approach. They don't immediately assume that everything that they encounter no. is paranormal.
2: No. And in fairness to them. We've been up on the second floor and there'll be just a constant like a banging noise and they've gone up onto the roof to check whether it's the flagpoles, whether there's some, you know, some of the flags whipping against the flagpoles. And to their credit, um, and I would say this about them, irrespective of whether we were friends with them or not, they will go to extreme lengths, particularly Michael Carroll, who's the, the, tech the guy. techie guy, yeah. um, to disprove Now, there's it. a giant. He is a giant, actually. Yes. Uh, he's come out here one night. Uh, the castle, the castle is still beside what used to be a nightclub. Um, and we were here at three o'clock in the morning and two chaps came in uh, wondering if there was a, if there was any ghost in here. And I said to him, no, there's a one eyed black dog gone down the road. But Michael Carroll just stared at them,
1: <laughs> which was a null.
2: It was a bit like, you know, an apparition in front of them. So Michael is actually. He is, giant. He's
0: about six foot, a hundred, isn't he? Something oh, I'd say ridiculous. he's a good
2: six foot four, yeah, six foot five. And, and he's, he's, he's just broad with it. Yeah, and when he stares at you, you're in trouble.
0: But you, you've got, you took me to a castle when we were over in New
1: England, didn't you, Ron? Um, yeah, Hammond,
2: Hammond Castle.
1: castle. Right,
2: now that, that also sounds haunted
0: as well,
1: isn't it? It's it's not but, a proper castle, though. I'm sorry. But, well, the thing you is, know, this you you have this the proper to... castles. We
0: we. Yeah, really but this don't. brings brings me on to a point because Hammond Castle is is a, a relatively new building. It, it's it's 19th century. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Jackie, you've got artifacts here and in the visitor center. That that is it the location or is it the objects in the location? Do you think? Are central to the hauntings, to the, to the stories. Is it the land? Is it the building? Is it the things within it?
2: I think the funny thing about Jim is that if if we're to believe what Jim has told us, which is his name, his family name, his wife's name, his children's name, and we have found him in the census from 1901 and 1911, so as far as we're concerned, we've tracked him historically. He's oh, not really? tied to the castle.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He doesn't, he doesn't work here. He's never worked here. What he's brings him never... here then? I don't know. He lives down there. <laughs> down there is his home.
0: Right. So, we just... so
2: whether he finds an affinity with us here.
0: He might just be curious. And he's to constantly here.
2: Um, and now he's part of the team. I know, and that's a strange language. And myself and Michael have often had this discussion as to how do we perceive Jim? We're very protective of him in that if he, we don't ever tell anybody his surname. If he wants to tell you, he'll tell you, and he has no problems in telling people what his surname is. Um, but we don't tell we we don't tell people what his surname is because that's his. I, I talk about him now as if he's.
0: A living, th- a living
2: person. In
0: fact, the very first time you, thing, you <laughs> mentioned Jim to me last week uh, when we were, we were talking and you said, oh, that'll be Jim. I actually thought, <laughs> has somebody, because there was another room behind us, I was looking around and said, well, well, I didn't see anybody walk past me. Is another member of the crew that we haven't met.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, because... There's been sessions here as well where, whether it is the case or not, um, people have brought entities with them or, or spirits oh, with yeah. them. Oh, yeah. Not convinced on it either. I, I I don't know whether people are predisposed to wanting somebody to be with them um, that don't belong here either. They belong to the person that's that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I we don't have anybody who is particular to the castle. Um, I know there are shadows up on the in the first in the turret. We have three turrets here in the castle. Um, there are shadows underneath the door What that may or may not be members of the last family to live here. I haven't quite told their grandson yet that they might be here because I'm not sure how he'll take that. <laughs> you know, hi. Pop in. Yeah, granny's here. <laughs> granny's here. Um, not quite
0: as you were expecting. No,
2: um, so not quite sure about that one. So we have nobody that belongs in the cleanest definition to the castle. But that's not to say that you know whoever's now, here is not we'll welcome
0: just, just move to an, to the other islands most haunted house for a minute because hmm. it's very fashionable at the moment it's uh, ghost hunting has sort of progressed ghosts are, are really quite passe and people have moved on to demons and the devil yeah. now yeah. loftus hall claimed that the, the devil himself you know let's not let's not have just a mere demon but loftus hall claimed the devil himself is is the key character uh and went out through the roof of, of Loftus Hall. Now, I understand that this might be a little bit of tourist spin going on.
2: Can I just apologise then that I don't have any sort of sexy, demonic, you know, presence you know, I, here. Uh, I don't, yeah. We consider this to be an incubation unit for, you know, uh, you know nice those, yeah, those want to dip their toes into paranormal. Then you see, yeah, well, you, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait go The paranormal. If you, get,
1: I mean, if you get the right group in there, they'll find one. Don't worry. Well, you see, ghosts—ghosts
0: ghosts, <laughs> ghosts have become almost an endangered species now because they have been re- relegated to the second division behind the the the, the, the demons and the. In fact, we're going to get the the, the ghosts of murderers uh, shortly onto the television, as I understand. Um, what are they called? Killer, killer contacts, or something? Um, but but Loftus Hall has gone gone all the way. It's one for the devil, um, no messing but about. But that's
2: always, to be fair to them, that's always been the tradition. So I think it's mid eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. I think, um, so th- their folk their folk tradition, which is a story and a motif that you would find across Europe, mm-hmm. um, the story of the devil going up through the roof in a ball of fire, Um it just happens to be in Loftus Hall. So the story was that. Um, a gentleman had come to the door one night in the middle of a storm and the family had taken him in and their daughter was slightly taken with him, And so he stayed another couple of days. So in the, in the middle of having a game of cards, one of the cards fell onto the ground. Uh, and when she looked down, he had a cloven hoof. So with my folklore hat back on again, there are a whole load of motifs that you would find across Europe. So you'll find that story elsewhere in Europe. And, um, and the gentleman then, once his secret had been revealed, went out through the roof in a ball of flames. And then to add to it, the, um, the hole in the roof could never be patched. So I know uh, Wexford Paranormal, Michael, has done some research into as to whether that building that's there at the minute is the building that was there at the time. Um, and I know he's not convinced that it is. But, again, it's a tourism product, so, you know, paper never refuses ink either. And if it works and you get visitors coming in through your door, It is. It's, it's certainly
0: unusual as you. I mean, it's not something I've ever encountered in the UK where you see so many um, plaques and signs by the side of the road advertising a country's most haunted building. Uh, because what would happen, of course, is somebody else will put up one saying, no, ours is. <laughs> So what we what we've tended to settle on uh, in the UK is is by county. So you have, of course, Richard Felix, uh, your old sparring partner, Ron, would uh, often claim that Derby was the most haunted city, and somebody else would say, well, no, it's York, and somebody else would say, well, we have the most haunted building in Gloucestershire, and and so it goes. But this is all out Ireland's most haunted building. So um, we're going to explore that tomorrow. But I'm I'm just mindful of the time. And Jackie, how can how can people find out more about Enniscorthy it? Castle? You have a website. Oh, my God, you, you read it's
1: my funny. mind. Stephen, <sighs> you're getting a be Let psychic. Oh,
0: I'm scared now. Well, she would have given it if you'd shut up then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's www.enniscorthycastle.ie.
0: And I think there's actually a link to it already on the Ghost Chronicles webpage.
2: And I'm certain there's a link to it on Wexford Paranormal's page as well. So that's where you'll find us. And if you're coming into Ireland and you want to come down to us, we're only about an hour and a half from Dublin Airport and about two hours from Shannon. So uh, infinitely achievable in the day to pop down and have a look and and see us. We'll bring you down to the dungeon, up onto the roof as well, uh, with the fabulous views of the surrounding uh, town. We didn't even mention the Athenaeum which is two doors up from us um, and they maintain that they're haunted there as well and Wexford Paranormal have been in with those too. Um, they have um, Ireland is about to commemorate the 100th anniversary of the Easter 1916 rising, which really was the start of independence in Ireland. And mm-hmm. then was the only town outside of Dublin to rise in 1916. We're forever in a row and in a battle, whatever it is about us down here. But the Athenaeum would have been where um, the the Irish volunteers would have had their base. So they maintain that they're haunted there, too. So, uh, lots of supernatural um, in Enniscorthy and in the county as a whole.
0: It it sounds like Ireland's a place of rebellion, and, and but you know my abiding memories of being here is the hospitality. So if you are over here, uh, there are just I mean, look, Cat, you're just alongside me. We, we've toured around and we know the southeast, but there are ghosts, there are ghosts. There are ghosts absolutely galore, aren't there?
2: Yes, everywhere.
0: You know, so if you are in the south I mean, the whole of the country, but particularly the southeast, um we're certainly you're know, certainly not short of ghosting you' are certainly well, not that, sure that was that actually one.
1: the doorbell, so that means uh, we've yeah, got we to wrap to to it, it up that, before we go though, I have a question for Jackie, uh, Jackie, this has got to do with your archaeologic. Do you find that folklore, the study of folklore helps you in your uh archaeological work?
2: Um, I think it gives you an appreciation of how important folklore was to the protection of archaeological sites. Uh, I know we did, when I studied in Dublin, folklore was a module of archaeology, so mm-hmm. they obviously considered considered it a link, um, a spe- but also to the historical record as well. So folklore tends to back up a lot of the historical records and and just to talk about 1798 for a second a lot of the local heroes the place names the field names are all recorded in the folk tradition that don't appear in the historical record so the folk tradition can be used for to supplement both the historical and the archaeological a lot of the place names in ireland um will give you a link to their history as well so like i live in um dun carmac dun carmac the fort of carmac lismore mm-hmm. in county waterford lis is a castle a stone built castle dun angus on the east on the west coast of ireland a huge big iron age fort dun the fort of um angus Ra. And,
1: and i'm going to jump in with parson's town <laughs> <laughs> well awfully. unfortunately i'm going to jump in because we've run out of time so anyways i want to thank you very much and uh opening up the castle to uh Stephen. and uh, steve make sure you take some pictures and we got to post them up on the uh facebook pages there'll, there'll, be,
0: there'll be lots of pictures but also the the castle's website has a lot of information as to all right website. great great
1: great and uh jackie thank you so much it was great speaking with. You. i'd love to have you on again because you are just a wealth of knowledge i i really enjoyed your conversation
2: No problem. We'll make a date first.
1: Thank you very much. You have a great day.
2: You too, Ron. Take care.
1: Okay. So, time to wrap it up. Good night and God bless, everyone. Good night. God bless.
0: To ghosties, long legged beasties, and things
1: that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.